Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. How many of you guys ready for the word this morning? By the way, I, it's my last Sunday preaching in a while. I'll be preaching this Sunday. Next Sunday, Pastor Gabby will be back with us. Amen. How many of you guys love the bishop of the house? Come on. Yeah. He'll be back with us. Um, he's going to be preaching an, a special illustrated sermon next Sunday. Gonna, we're going to have actors. We're going to have props. It's going to be awesome. We're just going to try to, 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 to act out a certain message we feel is going to bless your life. So come next week to hear PG. He's coming back home. Amen. I, I want to speak a, a sermon today. It's lined up with our Summer at New Birth series, right? So in our church, we preach on series. We just take a couple weeks, four to five weeks, and touch on the same type of idea. This summer, we're, we're talking about diving in. We're talking about getting submerged into everything that God has for us. Uh, last week, uh, specifically, uh, we spoke about getting and stepping outside of the boat, getting out of our comfort zone, getting out of the box that we put ourselves in for safety and security, and actually, we figured out that when we step out of the boat, that may be the potential miracle that we've been waiting for. That may be the potential praise report that we've been asking God for. It immediately comes after stepping out. Who was here last Sunday? Who was here last Sunday? How many of you enjoyed it? Amen. Tonight, today, I'm preaching on a, a sermon titled, I want you to say it. Say, if he said it. Come on, say it with your voice. If he said it. Say it again. If he said it, we're reading from the book of Luke, right? So we got this culture at church where we like to bring Bibles to church, amen? So if you got a Bible, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 5. I'm reading verses 1 through 6. And if your phone glows, um, if your Bible glows because it's your phone, that's so awesome. And there's also a Bible behind me. We're going to be reading the book of Luke, chapter 5. <clears throat> amen, here we go. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Isn't that an awesome service, right? There's a preaching going on while the preacher's on a boat and the church is on the shore. Come on, somebody. I love portable church. Church joke. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets, let down the nets for a catch. Right? So Jesus goes up to these random dudes in their random boats and he has a plan. And he tells them, hey, take your nets, go deep in the water, take your nets, go fishing, go throw some nets into the water, do something. He challenges them, do it, do it. So Simon, who's actually the dude that we speaks about last week, Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, come on somebody, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Here's the miracle. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that the boats actually began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to his knees, to Jesus' knees, and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And for he said to all his companions, We're astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. 
And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon, partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, I love this, do not be afraid. From now on, Simon, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats upon the shore, left everything, and followed him. Why don't you bow your heads right there where you're at, close your eyes. What an amazing worship song. Oh, the overwhelming. Come on, reckless love of God. Every head bow, every eye close, and reverence and respect in the house of God. I want to pray over the word for these next few moments. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our church. Lord, we know that even when we close the door on you, you're still knocking, Lord. Even when sometimes we turn our backs on you, Lord, you're still running after us, Lord. Your love is reckless. Your love is, sometimes we can't even comprehend it, Lord, your love. Lord, if there's anything we ask of you today is that in this message, Lord, may we receive your love in a supernatural way. We pray all these things, and the church of God says, and the church of God says, amen. Can you give a shout to God this morning if you love him? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're good. Thank you. We have uh, Jonathan and Daniel playing with us. He's from our Pointiana campus. He's here today. He's awesome. Amen. I called this sermon, If He Said It. If, if, if Jesus said it. It's an amazing happening, right? Simon's like, Jesus, you, you're telling me to go out into the waters. You're telling me to throw nets. What you don't know, Jesus, what you don't know is the facts. Here's the facts. That we've been fishing all night. Like, before you tell me to do something that I, 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 you want me to do, I want to let you know that we've already been doing this all night. Me and my buddies, we've been fishing all night. That's the scenario that's going on. And he's looking at Jesus with the facts. Somebody say the facts. He's looking at Jesus with the facts. Say, listen, Jesus, the facts is, is that we've been fishing all night, and there is no fish in this pond. Come on, somebody. There's nothing else. I've exaggerated my resources. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I've been throwing nets all day. Haven't caught a single fish. And now you're asking me to do something that I know won't work because of the facts. Now you're asking me to do something that probably won't work because I've, I've already tried over and over and over again. Now you're asking me to do something that seems counterproductive, counterintuitive, because I've already been doing this. And the truth is, is that when God says something, whoo, when Jesus tells you to do something, I don't care what type of facts you have, you need to transition from a person of facts to a person of faith. Man, if Peter didn't throw the nets one more time, he would have never had all those fish. Sometimes God tells us to do something. God gives us a tug on our hearts, right? That's why you have the spirit in you. Holy Spirit lives inside you. He's guiding you. He's leading you to all truth and knowledge. That's what the Bible says. He's leading us. He's guiding us step by step. He's leading us to a life of obedience. But the truth is, is that sometimes our outcome hinges on our ability to be obedient. So Peter was, Simon's told, sorry, Simon's told, hey, don't throw the net, throw the net. He's like, you know what, I'm going to do it because you said so. I'm going to do it because you said so. Here's the truth, is that, is that we can never let facts destroy our faith. You guys hear? Don't let facts destroy your faith. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the fact that the doctor gave you a report. I'm talking about the fact that the bank is sending you a letter. I'm talking about the fact that the way that you see that is over, it is done. God can't work anymore. God can't do anything. I tried my best. I prayed the most. Pastor prayed for me. I put it on Facebook. I started to go find me. Nothing's happening. But the truth is, is that facts sometimes turns into an enemy of faith. Christian, 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 keep your faith through times of trouble. 
and trials. Because James says that trials and testing only produces perseverance, which then gives birth to maturity in the life of a believer. Man, we got to keep our faith even though the facts say different. We got to keep our faith. Come on, somebody. If you are a person of facts, I'm a person of facts. Amen. I, I love the facts, right? Like we're having a conversation. He said, she said this. Okay, okay. I know he said, she said. I know there's. What's the facts? Like what really went down? You know what I mean? In youth ministry, there's always something happening, right? Young people are awesome. Always something happening. And I'm always like, you know, he said this and she said that. I'm, okay, okay. Awesome. I like all the opinions, but give me some of the facts, right? What's really going on? Can you tell me the facts? Listen, I'm like most of us, we love facts. We love concrete stuff that we can stand and bank on. But here's the truth. If you live a life in a Christian walk with so many facts and not faith, you will be discouraged and you will actually not see the things that God wants to do because you have already created your outcome. You already closed the tomb. You already said God can't work this way. God, here's the facts. We've been doing this over and over again. God, here's the facts. I've been praying and praying and nothing has happened. God, here are the facts. I've been believing and anticipating, but this is what the doctor said. This is what the people said. Listen, never let facts destroy your faith. There's a point in this walk with God where the facts can actually become a hurdle. The facts can actually become a hurdle to what God wants to do. Why? Because if you only live your life concerned about the facts, your faith will begin to dwindle. But man, listen, facts can sometimes be an enemy to your faith. So we got to be people that understand the facts, but we understand who our God is. Come on, somebody. We got to be people that understand the facts, but we know that God is still moving. God is still working. And that although we live in this natural world, our God is supernatural. Come on. He is not confined to the laws of man. Our God is good. Our God is great. Maybe, maybe, maybe today, listen, maybe today your fact is exhaustion. And I'm asking the piano player to come right back up. Please, you make me sound better, bro. You fill the gaps. That's a fact. Maybe, maybe this morning, hear me, this is so real. Maybe this morning your fact is exhaustion. Maybe you're honestly just, I've come across so many parents that just work, 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 help, 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 help. And they forget about themselves. And, and, and they, they literally come to a place in their life with God that everything when it comes to God is just him removing their exhaustion. That, that everything when it comes to the things of the Lord, when it comes to the things of the church, you just that person, take the exhaust off me, Lord. Can you, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. All I do is work, 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 work. We're all, so, all I do is, is give, 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 and pour, 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 and I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm, I'm believing. I'm praying. I'm moving. I'm driving, right? So much of life, we're just moving, and we forget to consider the biggest vehicle that is actually what God has stewarded us with. It's our spirit. Maybe this morning, the fact is, is that you're exhausted. Maybe that's your fact. Listen, if you haven't been exhausted yet, I'm telling you, it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. We all live a life, natural life. We get physically tired. We get physically exhausted. That's a fact. Maybe you're exhausted. Can I give you some faith? In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 31, can you throw it up, please, behind me? It says this, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Listen, if you are exhausted, that is a fact, but God has some eagles waiting for you to chill on. God has some things ready for you to take you from 
glory to glory. Next time you're exhausted, that's a fact. How about you turn up some faith and say that I will run and not grow weary. I will not be quiet. I will not be silent because my God is more than enough. He's more than enough. That's a fact that I'm exhausted, but the faith factor pushes through whatever facts in front of me. Maybe a fact this morning is that you're stressed out. Stress is a silent killer. That's not in the church world. That's the, the real world. Stress is a silent killer. And I'm only 22. I don't know real stress yet. You have a list in college. All the different, you know, major stressors. It's like get married. I'm almost there. Get married. It's like move out. You know, have a, have a baby. There's a bunch of things that stress, good and bad. But the truth is, is that people aren't talking about stress in the church. Not enough people are talking about stress. The stress is a real thing. Stress, is a, stress will weigh on your worship. Stress will, will cause you not to pray. Stress will call you not to have faith. Stress will lead you away from the flock. Stress will think that isolation is an answer when it's actually against God's plan for you. Stress is real. And stress is a fact. Maybe you came in here on your last bar of life. Maybe you came in here with a serious issue of stress. As you're worshiping, the enemy's reminding you of stuff you need to take care of to cause stress. As you pray, you're trying to think of the things of the Lord, and the enemy begins to give you these thoughts, and you begin to give in to stress. You begin to, maybe you've driven before. Holy Spirit's showing me this. Some of you guys have been driving. You had to stop the car because you were too stressed. Your, your heart was bumping out of your chest. And, and all these things are happening and God is looking at his church and he said listen the fact is is that you're stressed out but here's the faith Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 come on let's throw it up stay with me it says this when you pass through the waters I will be with you when you pass through the rivers they will not sweep you over when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze listen to me these situations that cause stress, listen, they will be hot, but they will not burn you. These situations that cause stress, yes, there will be a lot, but they will not take over you. You're still alive. You still have a heart. You still have a mouth. You still have a soul. And God can still bring peace into your life. Maybe the fact is you're stressed, but here's the faith factor. Is that you can walk through flames and leave unharmed. That you can walk through the toughest times of life with a smile on your face because you're not living by the facts. You're living by faith. I don't walk and live life by what I see. I walk and live life by the unseen. Knowing that God is working on my behalf. God, he eliminates reasons. He eliminates excuses of why not to give your life to him completely. Scripture, like read scripture, it eliminates the excuses. It eliminates it. Why? Because you got a lot of facts, but you need just a little bit more faith. Maybe the fact is that you're stressed. Here's another one. Maybe the fact is, is that you're being tempted. Temptation is a fact. Temptation is a fact. Here's a scary verse, right? It's not so scary, but it's, 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 it's fun. The Bible says when, when the spirit leaves a body, when, when, when some type of Hold, spiritual holding kind of exits a person. The enemy sends seven more to try to, to undo what God has done and, and try to, d d d d you know, defer their mind and confuse them. And, and that's why we love the new converts at our church, right? Spiritual babies, we're with you. Join Next Steps. We love you. If you made a decision, if you're one of these light bulbs, you need to get into Next Steps. We want to walk with you, give you some tools. 
But the truth is, is that when you say yes to Jesus, and all of us, we've said yes to Jesus, we have been tempted. Man, we have been tempted working in youth and young adult ministry. There's a misconception that temptation will always lead you to sin. That is not true. Temptation is a test of your heart. Tempt Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. All the trees that we're supposed to eat of, except for the one in the middle, except for the one in the center. And here's the truth. Every time they walked by that tree, they had an opportunity to be obedient. They had an opportunity, the privilege to be obedient. God didn't create robots. But your free will does not mean that your free will is over once you get tempted. Temptation is real. We're tempted to do things. But the enemy cannot overthrow your will. Yeah, temptation is a fact. Pastor, I've been tempted. I'm, I'm being tempted. I'm always tempted. At the late night hours, I'm always tempted. In the mornings, I'm always tempted. I, I give in to this. All, I'm just always tempted. I'm always tempted. But here's the fact. that Yes, temptation is a fact, but here's a little bit of faith. It says in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7, very simple verse. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come on. Some of you guys, if you just resisted long enough, some of you guys, if you just held on to the things of the Lord just a little long enough, next time you're tempted, throw a little bit of faith to the enemy. Yeah, I want to do this. Yeah, I want to give in. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Resist. Temptation is a fact. But faith says to resist. Faith says to come against the grain. Faith says in the middle of temptation to lean into what God wants to do in your life. That's faith. Maybe uncertainty. Being a young adult, I know life has faced so many decisions. Some of you guys are living in the results of a decision that you didn't know was that serious. Life is all about decisions. And as young adults, youth, adults, we got all these choices to make. And then you throw God in there, and it's like, okay, I got my own plan, I got God's plan. And which one am I going to jump into today? Right? So many choices. What that can lead into a life of a believer is a life of uncertainty. Uncertainty is a fact. Where do you want me to go? Where am I supposed to be? What's going to be my major? Who's going to be the person I marry? Where's going to be the place that me and my family plant ourselves into? I pray it's new birth. Amen. Where's it going to be? What am I going to do? Uncertainty is a fact. But can I give you some faith? Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. Woo, favorite verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We got to be more concerned with the presence of God than the plan of God. We can't understand the plan. We can't, we can't conceive it. If God were to tell you everything he's going to do in your life, you'd be, oh my God, I can't, I can't. I'm not ready for it, Lord. Because God walks with you. And God says, listen, you don't need to know the plans, for I know the plans. Plans that will prosper you. Not to harm you, but to give you a hope in the future. That's the faith. Next time you feel uncertain about what to do, trust in the Lord because he knows what he's doing. He works every good thing in your life for your good. He works every bad thing in your life for your good. He works all the ugly things in your life. He works it all. He works it all. Amen. Come on. Faith can sometimes be an enemy of facts. 
But if God said to do it, listen, here's the last fact. The fact is that Jesus died. The fact is that Jesus died on a Friday night. He was beaten. He was crushed. I heard a preacher say this. Jesus was destroyed completely. Mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, rock bottom in all those areas. Destroyed for you. Destroyed. Something has to happen to you to know that you're walking into the worst moment of your life. Something happens. Something clicks in your head. Like this is it. He was destroyed for you. He was destroyed for you. And yes, that's the fact that Jesus was dead. But on Sunday morning, laid next to his tomb, there were a couple angels there and told women, why do you weep? Why are you confused? Listen, your son of man, your Jesus, the God you've been following, listen, he really is the son of God. He rose on the third day. Whenever you need a little bit of faith, man, jump into the Easter story. That's the life of a believer, right? Every single day remembering what Jesus did for us, remembering how he was broken for us, and no, he didn't just die for me, but he rose for me. Did I have hope and a future? Come on, church. If he said it, you can believe it. If he said it, you can trust it. These verses are not just verses with no power. These are scripture. That's the very word and promise of God over your life promise of God. Let's read Luke chapter 5 verses 5 to 6. Let's read it together. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I love this. But because you say so. Man, we need a little bit more because you say so Christians out there in the world. Lord, but because you tell me to do it. Listen, can I encourage you by discouraging you? This life, this Christian life, sometimes you're going to do things that you don't want to do. But God, because you said so. Woo, I know it's worth it. Lord, but because you said so, I don't really get giving. I don't understand serving. I don't understand. I don't understand these things. But Lord, if you told me to do it, if you placed me in a house, I will let my roots sink in deep enough. I will let these things rule my life. Lord, if you said it, because you say so, I'll do it. I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Here's my next point. Listen, obedience leads to abundance. Obedience leads to abundance. Obedience leads to abundance. Jesus is saying, listen, I know the facts say to quit. I know the facts say to give up. I know the numbers aren't adding up, but listen, give me just a few fish and bread, and I'll bring you abundance. And I can imagine the little boy in that story saying, what are you going to do with my little fish and bread? What is and Jesus is like, obedience will lead to abundance. Thousands will be fed off of something so small and insignificant. But if Jesus said so, he will make a way. He will make a way. Obedience leads to abundance. We serve a God that says, cast your nets out one more time. We serve a God that says, reach out to that person one more time. Do it one more time. We serve a God that says, listen, pray to me one Pray and seek after me one more time. We serve a God that says, listen, put that prayer on my hands one more time. We serve a God that says, listen, come to church one more Sunday. Come on, come on. Can you keep praying? Can you keep interceding long enough to see the abundance? Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple. If you're obedient, God will bless you. 
If you're consistently obedient, God will consistently bless you. It's so simple. When we're, when we're consistent with our obedience, we will consistently see blessings in abundance. Listen, we're not a money church. We're not trying to take your money and do weird things with it. We're the church of God. We lead with fear and trembling. Where your money goes, it goes right back into the kingdom. We're investing. We're being a part of the city changing around. That's what God is doing in our church. But sometimes giving, sometimes giving, it's like, I don't want it. I don't know. Listen, where you are obedient, you will see abundance. Come on, somebody. Where you are obedient, you will see abundance. It's hard for God to put something in your hand if it's closed, holding on tight to what he's already given you. If you want to be an abundant life, listen to me, catch this. Anywhere in your life that you need abundance, that's where you need to give the most. If you need abundant friends, you need to be a friend. Come on, if you need abundant love, you need to start giving away love. If you need, come on, y'all here today. Obedience leads to abundance. And it's funny sometimes in church, Christians get jealous of God blessing others. We get envious. We envy it. Man, look what God's doing in their life. Man, 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 look what's going on here. Man, look what's going on in, over there. To that person. Man, I, I don't want to be a spectator of everyone else's abundance. I want to be a participant of the obedience. Can I tell you, church, you have been very generous this year. Some of you guys have been serving. This year has been the best year of new birth ever. We have the most people serving year to day. We have the most people giving year to day. We have the most people involved in the life of the church. We have the most people going to hope groups. We have the most, it's just the church is getting active. The church is getting active. I just want to thank you for being obedient because whoever is obedient, God will then bring abundance. Come on, if we together as a faith community decide to be obedient together, woo, New Birth, you have no idea the type of, ob I'm getting ahead of myself. Obedience leads to abundance. Look at your neighbor and say, obedience leads to abundance. Look to someone else say, obedience leads to abundance. In Luke chapter 5, verse 10, and I'm closing. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. From now on, Peter, Simon, you will be a fisher of men. You will be a fisher of men. My next point is this. Listen, Jesus grows the church and we cast our nets. You want to know how new birth is going to grow? Can I tell you? That example, as I was studying for this, the Holy Spirit revealed to me something. That example of the nets being overflowed. It's paradoxical. Why? Because those who are obedient receive abundance. And it's not an accident that immediately after that miracle, Jesus tells Simon to be a fisher of men. Why? Because those who cast their nets, I will bring abundance. Abundance that your nets won't even hold. When I was reading this, the Holy Spirit showed me 
a vision of this very room being so overflowed by fish that we have seen come into the world, come into church. We're going to see an overflow in this exact sanctuary. We're going to see overflow. People not be able to fit in. We're going to have to start adding services and adding more opportunities for people to get in this room because we're going to fill it up. We're going to fill it up. That's what we're going to do. But here's the truth is that we do not grow the church. You do not grow the church. You know what your responsibility to do is? Cast the net. Just cast the net. Oh, my God, how many people in your life would receive Jesus if you just cast it in that? Doesn't that take a little bit of pressure off of you that you don't save people? God does. You don't heal people? God does. You don't change their life? God does. He gives you one commandment. You are a fisher of men. Go into the, all the world and build disciples and baptize them. Listen, God has the fish ready. You just got to have the nets ready. How many guys want to see this place full of people who do not love Jesus that will one day love him? You do not grow this church. Jesus does. In the book of Acts, the early church, the Bible says, and God added to their number daily because they're casting their nets. Man, I wish you'd cast a net in your job. <laughs> I'd wish you cast a net in your job. Just cast a net. Just throw a net. The family members that you have secluded, oh, God can't save them. We've been praying too long. They're still not saved. That's the fact. But you need to operate in a little bit of faith. Continue to throw your nets out. Continue to throw your nets out. Because, yes, that is a fact. But my God is bigger than facts. Yes, that's happening in the natural. But my God is not natural. He is supernatural. It's time to be obedient, church. Let me remind you something. You are a fisher of man. You have received Jesus. You have a responsibility. Everywhere you go, to cast a net. Cast a net. Biggest reason why Christians don't do it is because we're afraid of rejection. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. They, when you bring someone, they're not saying yes to you. They're saying yes to Jesus. You are not the creator of this church. This is God's church, and you are fishers of men. Let's be obedient in throwing our nets because we will see an abundance that the nets will begin to break, that the ships will begin to sink with all of the abundance that God is bringing. Whatever, whatever that is in your life that you need to be more generous in, that you need to be more investment in, whatever it is in your life, that you need to be, just give more to God, be obedient. I promise you, obedience will always lead towards abundance. Don't let the facts destroy your faith. Obedience leads to abundance. Jesus grows, grows the church and we cast our nets. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.